be anywhere at my age. I you would have said the same thing, right? Wow, these lights. I, I lost you. Don't know where you're at. Well, thank you for everything. I think Tony and Don Barbosa are watching. Your pastor and his wife are watching, keeping an eye on me. <laughs> and uh, shout out to them. A thank you, a big thank you to them, inviting me to come preach to you this morning. Thank you for your hospitality, coffee and donut. Took the last Boston cream. Forgive me for that. <laughs> the coveted donut in New England, the Boston cream. Fine Sunday school lesson, very thorough, and uh, just a good place to be on the Lord's Day. By the way, this uh, beautiful special music, and uh, I have to say it. I haven't heard piano playing like that in a long time. That was, that's my kind of piano playing. And the song leader can't keep up. The, the pianist is supposed to follow the song leader. He is the leader. But sometimes the pianist gets so excited no, they did. They did well. They did well. But I, I, uh, I come up with that kind of evangelistic song, the piano playing, just moving, adding a lot of things there. Loved it. If I needed a piano player, I'd probably throw you an offer. But <laughs> no, 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 Pastor, that was a joke. I don't have a church anymore anyway. I'm retired. <coughs> no, that was meant as a compliment. Well, good job. <coughs> I like that. Anyway, so this is, uh, where am I, East Providence? I could tell. I, I'm, not in, I'm not in Kansas any longer. <laughs> It was only, it's only an hour and a half away, you know. I mean, New England states are small, and it's easy to get around. Well, it's easy to get around only on Sunday morning. That's it. You can close your eyes and just go. But not when I get in the car and go home. It's a whole other ballgame. But it's all good. It's all good in the hood, right? Matthew 7. I want to talk to you about two gates. Now one one's a good one, the other one's not so good. And so you it can turn there and put your thinking caps on and get ready to go. I want to talk to you about uh, two gates from this text, Matthew 7, 13 and 14. It says, are you there? <coughs> Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many, there's a contrast between the two gates, including <coughs> its, their population. It says many, 
there be which go in thereat, many, many through the wide gate or the broad way. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way. Straight means narrow. <coughs> narrow is the way which leadeth unto life and few by contrast. Interesting, isn't it? That the the broad gate opened to the broad way <coughs> is more populated than the road that leads to life everlasting. So it was then, so it is today. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Look at verse 14. Straight or narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it. In this text, 13 verses, these two verses, <coughs> there are two contrasting gates, a narrow gate and a wide gate. The Savior probably had ancient cities in mind. Ancient cities were fortified by walls that included a gate or several gates through which people entered. The wall around Jerusalem had how many gates? Ten. <laughs> That's usually my answer. Ten gates, according to Nehemiah chapter 3. Some gates were broad, <coughs> admitting large crowds or caravans of people. Other gates were more private, more narrow, admitting only a few. The language of the gates in Matthew 7 is a metaphor. In other words, one does not literally enter through a narrow gate to be saved. The narrow gate represents the exclusivity of the gospel. The exclusivity of the gospel of Jesus Christ, meaning that there is no other name, no other way, no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Exclusivity. There's only one gate that leads to life everlasting, life everlasting, and that gate in this text represents the Lord Jesus Christ. The broad gate, on the other hand, represents all other so-called ways or any other way than the way of the cross. The Bible says in John 14, 6, I'm sure we're familiar, Jesus said himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. All other ways, so the broad gate, the broad way, it represents all other ways or a false way which only leads to destruction. The Lord uses a simple metaphor or a word picture to illustrate that a single decision determines one's destiny. Now listen carefully, the narrow gate leads to life, broad gate to destruction. To refuse to enter through the narrow gate is a conscious decision to enter through 
the broad gate. When you renounce Christ as your Savior, when you repudiate the gospel of Jesus Christ, you are making a decision to enter through the wide gate. When you say no to Christ, you are saying yes to the false way. <laughs> you don't have to verbalize it. To reject Christ is to make a decision to enter through the wide gate onto the road that leads to utter destruction. destruction. <laughs> and you'll notice <coughs> that there are only two gates. It's not a multiple choice game that we play here. There are only two gates. One gate leads to life everlasting. The other represents eternal death. For the wages of sin is death. For the wages, the payment of sin is eternal death. Eternal separation. Eternal condemnation. Eternal destruction. There's only two gates which represents two eternities. That's it. And some people think there's a, a choice of a third option. No, there's no stop off. There's no mediating place. There's no such thing as purgatory. Right. Two gates represent two eternities. <coughs> Eternity you know, uh, it's being separated from God or <coughs> eternal life. It's sobering, is it not? Thought-provoking. Verse 13 is a plea, in my opinion. Verse 13 is a plea to enter in at the straight gate or the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, broad is the way that leads to destruction. It says, enter ye in. That's a plea. If you're, if you're interested, it's a plea. <coughs> By the way, the word destruction and the word perish, the word perish in John 3.16 come from the same Greek root word. Perish, destruction, eternal death. These are all interchangeable words. What is troubling to me is the contrast are the words few and many. Did you catch that? Few are on the narrow road that leads to life compared to many that are on the road that have chosen the road that leads to destruction. How many remember? That's an important thought. And what was said then could be said today as well. And But why is that? It begs the question, why? Why is the broad road mostly populated? Why? You would think that a road to life would be mostly populated. Makes sense. Makes sense. But it's not. Never has been. Never will be. Why do many or most people enter through a gate that only leads to eternal death? 
Why do most people refuse to believe the Bible? Why do most people, many, refuse to trust Christ as Savior? Why do so many reject the gospel? <coughs> I've often said over the years, what, you know, what more could God have done to demonstrate his love? And yet it's trampled under foot. Doesn't make any sense to me. You tell me after service that you loved me and you want to buy me a new car. I'm your friend for life. I'll follow you home. I'll buy you dinner. When somebody genuinely cares, that's attractive. We are attracted to leaders that care. And I want to tell you something this morning. Jesus cares. Amen. Casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. I love that word. It says in John 10, is it John 10, the good shepherd? <coughs> that the hireling fleeth. When the wolf comes after the sheep, the hireling, the hired hand, he flees and careth because he cares not for the sheep. He only cares about his own neck. He's only he's an employee, a hired hand. He's there for a paycheck. He doesn't care about the sheep. When the wolf comes after the sheep, he flees and runs and hides. But not so with Jesus. He giveth his life to the sheep. He cares. You can follow somebody like that. And we are this morning. That's why you and I are here. Because you and I know that he loves us. He genuinely cares. And how much does he care? He went to Calvary. God became flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. Like the lyrics in the song, Jesus suffered the wrath of God against sin. That's propitiation. He, he satisfied the justice of God by suffering the wrath against our sin. He did that for you and me. And it's easy to follow somebody to serve one who loves you, who cares, who has given his life. But the world doesn't understand that. That's why they have, that's why they have rejected him, deciding rather to enter in through the broad gate. Doesn't make any sense. They're not loved by anyone on that road. They're loved by him who died for their sin to purchase redemption for them. And yet, they choose not to enter into the narrow. That doesn't make any sense to me. Does it to you? <coughs> Why? <coughs> Why? Why is it? We could make a list of reasons, I suppose. Maybe you're thinking of some. However, if we stay in the text, we can see what, what 
the answer is. Look at with me. We stopped at 14. Did you bring a Bible to church? Look at verse 15. <coughs> Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing. Inwardly they are ravening wolves, predators. Their only ambition is to destroy the sheep. That's what ravenous means. Their agenda is to destroy. <coughs> Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so every good tree that bring every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down, cast into the fire. Where, wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them, in my opinion, strong opinion, based on this text, <coughs> the reason why the broad road is mostly populated is because of false prophets and teachers misleading, misguiding, misinforming a lot of people. Now, <coughs> that's right. False prophets and teachers who preach a false message, a false gospel, produce false hope. Look at verse 21, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. What? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many. Notice the word many. There it is again. Many. Not a few. False prophets influence many. They lead many astray. Many will say to me, in that day, that day, judgment day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? <coughs> and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. Many false hope. Serving, serving, casting out devils, many wonderful works. Then I will profess, verse 23, I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Their good works are defined by the Lord as works of iniquity. Wow. That's going on all over the world today. And why is it that their so-called good works are nothing more, I didn't say it, Jesus said it. Depart from me, he said. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity, because they're not born again. They've been deceived by false prophets and teachers. They have swallowed uh, 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 Hook, line, and sinker, a false message leading to a false hope. 
And now they're serving <coughs> in the name of Christ, serving, doing, saying, that has absolutely no value at all. How many understand what I'm talking about? They think they're all set. They think. They think they're all set. But they're not. <coughs> They've been led to believe a false message, a false gospel. Turn to Galatians chapter 1 real quick. I don't, didn't mean to turn there. <coughs> if you don't think this goes on, it goes on. It went on here and it, it still goes on today. Look at Galatians chapter 1. Uh, and uh, look at verse 6. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, writing a letter uh, to the churches in Galatia. Galatia is, is like a region comparable to a, to a county. And in this county of Galatia, the region of Galatia, are multiple churches that Paul started. Multiple, three, four, five. So he's writing. <coughs> this is in Asia Minor. And he says to them, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into, his gra into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, because there's only one gospel. The gospel, by definition, the death, burial, and resurrection, that is the gospel. There's only one. It centers on Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. But they've been removed from the gospel unto another, but Paul clarifies and says, <coughs> which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. And he said, though we are an angel from, we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, the gospel of Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. As we said before, I say it again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you, then, then, then that ye have received, let him, that's serious stuff. It's serious business with God to preach a false gospel, leading people astray. But in my opinion, the reason why the broad way is mostly popular, it's because of a false gospel preached all over this world this morning leading people astray. As you could tell, yes, it bothers me. It provokes me. It's a reality that is ongoing and will be ongoing till Jesus comes. A counterfeit gospel, a false message, leading many, many astray. It ought to break our hearts and give us a burden for evangelism and missions around the world, if anything. <coughs> That's the reason. There are other reasons, but that's the primary reason, in my, in my opinion. But let's look at the wide gate for a moment. I'll have to hurry through here. But I was told your pastor normally stops at 20 after 1. Oh, that was 20 after 12. 20 after 12, my bad. <coughs> the broad gate, it represents every wrong way, a false gospel and a false hope, as we, as I pointed out in the chapter. <coughs> no one is all set. 
you may be financially all set, materially all set. You may have a good wife be all set like me. But no one without Christ, no one who has rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ is all set. It's a popular phrase up where I'm from. I don't know about down here. I'm all set. If you don't know God, you're not all set. You're, you're traveling down on this broad way that leads to destruction. Pal, you're not all set. The wide gate is popular, mostly populated by re re religious people, <coughs> cults, and others who think in their own heart and mind that they're all set, and I'll give them that, but the truth is they undoubtedly have been deceived by somebody. I'm so thankful my wife and I attended a gospel preaching church in 1978, a long time before some of you were born. In that service, the gospel was preached. It was Palm Sunday in 1978. And my pastor preached on the Lord's entrance, triumphant entrance into Jerusalem. But he tied the gospel in it. And on that day, Palm Sunday in March, 1978, my wife and I, we, we left our seats and came down and we were dealt with by personal workers. We knelt and prayed and asked Jesus to save us. How <laughs> I thank God for my heritage that I was, got started in a place that I preached the unadulterated gospel of Jesus Christ. My wife and I responded, thank God for that. Some, unfortunately, start off in the wrong place with the wrong message. My heart, your heart ought to go out to them. Sometimes it's not their fault. They've been influenced. We are all products of influence, all of us. There's no such thing as a self-made man. That got it quiet. You didn't pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, as they used to say. You, you, you're, you're, we are all products of it. We're, we're the product of a, of a sweet mother and father. We're the product of some good friends. We're the, we're the product and influence of this church. We're all products of influence. I love that. There's nothing wrong with that. We need good people in our lives. <coughs> the Apostle Paul said, Be ye followers of me as I follow Christ. 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. Anyway, the wide gate. Let me get back to the wide gate. The proponents of the wide gate, the proponents of the wide gate, number one, are disguised. Are you surprised? Look at verse 13. <coughs> or <coughs> um, what verse do I? Oh, 15, I'm sorry. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing. False prophets wearing sheep's clothing, but inwardly. Inwardly. By the way, when you're something else other than what's on the inside, that's hypocrisy. They're, 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 they're play acting. They're pretending to be a, a what? A lamb? But what they are, they're a wolf. That's hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is means you know play acting. 
acting to be this, but you're not that. You know, Hollywood, that's, they're hypocrites. But that's not in a bad way. It just means they're play acting. They're, 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 they, they get into character. They're playing a role. They're being somebody else that's not who they are. So with regards to Hollywood, it's not a bad word, but in Christianity it is. In this case it is. And boy, we got, we got wolves that are putting on sheep's clothing. <laughs> it's designed to deceive, to lead people astray. But we don't have to do that. God will take care of that. The day of reckoning is at hand. Don't kid yourself. The day of reckoning, God will set the record straight. He will. <coughs> Thank God for that. But now, but now we, we have to deal with this. The proponents of the wide gate are disguised. And I'm not going to elaborate. I'm just going to move on to number two. The proponents of the wide gate are, are de deceitful. 2 Corinthians 11 says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing that if his, that if his ministers also be transformed as ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. I mean, the idea of disguising is to deceive. The wide gate leads to destruction. The proponents of the wide gate are disguised. They are deceitful. The wide gate leads to destruction. I think we already said that. Number four, the wide gate is densely populated, populated with people who have been deceived, in my opinion, according to the chapter, by false prophets and teachers. People, people, wolves, wolves, ravenous wolves, ravenous, destructive hungry by wolves wearing sheep's clothing. Oh. Don't you want to go after them? The flesh does. Come on. All right, thank you. Somebody's on my side out there. Is that the big guy in the back? I'm on your side. <laughs> that, that angers me. That it, the, it, the reality is it's, it goes on. I mean, sometimes it, it, it involves our own loved ones, our family members. And we love them so, and we want to be a witness to them and see them come to Christ. The proponents of the wide gate are disguised. They are deceitful. The wide gate leads to destruction. The wide gate is densely populated with people who have been deceived, thinking that their good works, and that's a big one, right? Their good works will outweigh their bad, and God will let them into heaven. That's popular teaching. It's erroneous teaching, but it's popular among the religionists of the world today. But Titus 3, 5, and 7 is still in the book. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration, renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. 
Well, glory to God. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. It's not about my merit. It's about his mercy. And that's the difference between Christianity and the false message. It's grace versus works, as you know. Right? I mean, sometimes there's other things involved, but predominantly Christianity versus <coughs> every false way, it's the difference between by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And you know, the Apostle Paul spent his life refuting justification by the works of the law. We were in the book of Galatians a moment ago. That's all he did. It, because of that erroneous gospel, that perverted gospel, he wrote five chapters, maybe six, I don't remember, uh, refuting the influence that was uh, infiltrated the church, the influence of a works gospel being justified by the works of the law. You know, thinking that, you know, if I do enough good, it'll outweigh my bad, and God will be, he'll be kind to me and let me in. That is so foolish. But there are many on that wide road that have accepted that. And that's why this town needs this church. That's why this church needs you. Don't get quiet on me now. That's why this town needs this church. That's why every town needs a gospel-preaching church. The church is a candle, it's light, it's, it's, it's design is to, to be a witness against every false way in the community. It's a witness against, light is a witness against darkness. That's the purpose of the church. Yes, we come to get fed and get our six guns loaded, Amen. Yes, but it's but collectively and community-wise, we're to be a light against the darkness that's out there. We're to be a light against, a witness against every false way, helping people to find their way and get on that narrow road. I'll pay you for that. Come on. Do I got to pay you? I'm just having fun. You could smile. You could relax. This is me, not by works of righteousness. And boy, that's Paul writing to Titus. Paul wrote to Galatians. Paul wrote, 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 lived, breathed <laughs> to, pro to promote the gospel of Christ and to refute on the other side of the coin every false way. He spent his life doing that. If you think for a moment that I'm off base, read the Bible. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, also to the Greek. He spent his life promoting, defending the gospel of Jesus Christ. And on the other hand, refuting and fighting against every false way. Why? Because he knew what we know. There are many on the wrong road. Bless God. That's why it's our job to help them, to rescue them, 
rescue the perishing, care for the dying. I don't have a second job singing. <laughs> How many don't sing but you wish you could sing? How many can't play piano but would love to play like this lady? <laughs> I'm going to stay focused. Sometimes it comes down to just accepting what you are, who you are, and give your who to the Lord and give your best to him. Find out what you can do. What is it that you can do? Don't focus on what you can't do. Don't be like me. Add, never come back. I'm just playing with you. But the truth is, yeah, we focus on what we can do, what we can give to the Lord. Amen? And give our absolute best. <coughs> and by the way, how do, how do we, how, regarding false prophets or people in general, the Bible says we shall know them by their fruit. By their fruit we shall know them. Their product, what they produce. A bad tree produces bad fruit. Corrupt fruit. But a good tree produces good fruit, right? So we, we have, listen, by the way, by the way, the only way to, to detect a bad tree and bad fruit is to know this book. Because this is the standard by which we judge bad trees. If you don't know the good tree, the good fruit, you have no comparison. You have no comparison. Does that make sense to you? We have to know, oh, I want to tell this story, but I better not. Oh, it's only, thank you. I'll give you a little bit more after service. My pastor, he told this story years ago. This is years ago, decades ago, when bank tellers counted money by this way, by hand. They get a hundred, one uh, dollar $100, $1 bills, not even looking. Hundred, hundred, remember that? I don't know if you're not old enough to know. Before the automated machines, I know today they put the money in the machines, right? And it just, well, they do mail like that too today. Back in the old days when we did things by hand, bless God, when we had to work for a living. <laughs> the teller comes to the window and my pastor, how do you do that? What? How do you count out a $100? What if there was a counterfeit in that stack? How would you even know? You didn't even look. <laughs> You know what she said to him? She said, we work with money every day. We're so familiar with the real. If there happened to be a counterfeit, they would detect it by touch. My pastor thought, hmm, that's a good illustration for a sermon. And he brought it home and he inserted it in a sermon and I never forgot it, never forgot it. They, they don't study counterfeit. They're so familiar with truth. They detect counterfeit. It has a different feel to it. 
How many understand what I'm talking about? <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, church, if you don't get anything this morning, we ought to be so familiar with truth, God's word. When ugly rears its head. Hmm. Ow. Right? I mean, how, how in the world is the first step to detecting a false gospel, a false gospel of the wrong way? The truth shall set you free. Amen. That's right. That's right. We know them by their fruit and by their faith or what they believe and by their friends, their close associates. Those are a few free things for you. And I want to close with this. That's enough about the wide gate. The narrow gate that represents, <coughs> well, it represents, number one, the, the exclusivity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. No other name, no other mediator, no other door, no other gospel, no other savior. There's no other power, no other name under heaven whereby men must be saved. The narrow road represents the exclusivity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It represents the enormity of damnable heresies and deception. I think I made that clear. Getting all worked up up here. I made that clear. It represents, if there are many on that broad road, it represents the enormity of damnable heresy and deception that is ongoing in our world today. And it is. We know it is. We know it is. If I'm not being honest, then where is everybody at this moment in Providence, Rhode Island? I mean, churches uh, today are nearly empty. Buildings are being sold. And today more, today more than ever today, the, the people are intolerant of Christ, the gospel, the church, intolerant. They want nothing to do with it. We live in a, we live in a hard time, in a tough It was a day like in the 70s, churches were full bustling with people, ministries full. And people just listen to, it's not that we have to go to church. We wanted to go. This is what, it's not what we do, it's what we are. We get to go to church today. We dress up and go to church. That day is gone. And not to take away from your heart, I, but I'm talking about I'm looking at the big picture. I mean, how many gospel preaching churches are there in Providence? Anybody know? Not enough, I'll tell you that. And people are not flocking to church like they used to in the 70s. It's a hard time, hard day. Many are on the wrong road because of false teaching, and that's what we're saying. Thirdly, <coughs> the broad road, or the narrow road, there's only a few on that road. It represents the exclusivity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It represents the enormity of damnable heresies and deception. It represents, thirdly and most importantly, it represents the 
of the urgency to evangelize our world. If there's only a few, that the, the narrow way represents the urgency to evangelize Providence and our country today. The urgency. Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria. I must needs. Urgency, necessity. There's a woman there whose heart is open. He went into Samaria when no other Jew would do that. She said to him, Jews have no dealings, no interaction with Samaritans. Jews went around the city to avoid contact. They hated the Samaritans. They were half-breed Jews. Jews that intermarried with Assyrians, uh, the enemy of God's people, during captivity back in the Old Testament. And ever since then, there, there's a rift between Jew and Samaritans. Jews don't even acknowledge them as Jews. They're Samaritans. And they wouldn't even go through the city. They'd go around the city, east, east of the Jordan River, if they were heading up northward into Galilee. But it says in the Bible, in John 4, that Jesus left Jerusalem and took the direct route, a straight line, a straight course, towards Galilee, but on his way to Galilee, he wanted to go through Samaria because of the need of the gospel in that city. That's what the narrow road means. Few people. It means that we got to be soul conscious, help people to get on that right road. Make sense? Let's stand this morning. Father, <coughs> I pray this morning if there's one here not saved that they'll get it settled today. They'll get off the wrong road and trust Christ as Savior. And for those that are saved, like myself, that last thought is so challenging. A narrow road populated by a few people represents the need, the need, the need to evangelize the world. God, burden us to take this to heart, to implement, to be every bit a part of this church and its outreach and, and all that goes on here. Thank you for the Barbosas. Planted this church seven years ago. Is a heart to reach his people, this community with the gospel. And I pray that you would give him a band of people his congregation and to follow beside him um, to do the work of God. And Lord, again, if one is here, not sure, unconvinced, may, may this message, the shocking news of eternal death, the wrong road, may it convict and bring sinners to Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Turn to number 336. <clears throat> if there's anyone here or anyone on media who's on the wrong road, you have no excuse after what you heard today right. from, the, from the preacher. He made it clear there's only one way. And if you're on 
on media or if, or if you're here and you're not, you don't know Jesus as your Savior, we'd like to give you an opportunity to come forward and trust him right now as we sing this song. If you're at home, you could do it in the privacy of your own home too. But let's all sing number 336, Amazing Grace. about you folks, but I'm glad I'm on the narrow road.